Hey, what's up, people? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Wrestling Podcast. Sincere Hogan, that's me. And got my buddy Mike Mahler on the other side. What's up, brother? I'm doing good, man. We have another great guest for today, so I'm getting psyched up for this one. And also, folks, our course that we're doing in September, September 2021, Las Vegas, is the Live Life Aggressively Summit with me, Steve Cotter, Sincere Hogan, and Kim Blackburn. You know, we're at 28 people right now, so we have 12 spots left. The special we're running right now, seven ninety nine ninety five for podcast listeners only, runs out at the end of this month. So make sure you email either Sincere or myself, get the brief information and the payment link, and get signed up this month because the price will go up in May, assuming we have any spots left. There's a really good chance we'll sell out those last 12 spots because, remember, we had 17 people sign up in 24 hours and 28 in less than a week. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're killing it on this thing. It's going to be a great course. I'm not going to go on and on and on about it because we've talked about it every week. But it's going to be in Las Vegas, Mr. Olympia weekend. It's going to just be a fun experience. We're going to make this a real Las Vegas experience. We're going to get group hotels set up. We're going to get extracurricular activities, group dinners. It's going to be fun. It's going to, everyone's going to be accessible. So definitely hit us up for more information on how to sign up and get on it. So there you go. So Mike at LLAPodcast.com or Sincere at LLAPodcast.com. So just send us an email. We'll send you the info, brief info, as well as the link to sign up, and you'll be in there. So, yeah, get to work. And if you have any hesitation, feel free to go with that and sign up in May when it's $400 <laughs> more. We don't, we don't mind at all you holding off at this point. We, know we're, we have more than enough people signed up this far out. If you want to hold off until later, feel free to. Perfect. <laughs> So speaking awesome. of workshops, it brings me, us to our next guest where we met him back in 2009 when we did the Age of Coral course, and Sir was at that event as well. Mm-hmm. And everyone was really impressed with this guy because he was an incredible athlete, but he was also a really good student. He wasn't one of those guys who's like, I'm going to show everyone what I can do. You know, right. you ever have those students where they can't wait to show you stuff? They're like, they're just, they're just, they just can't wait until you get to a certain drill so they could grab the heaviest bell or whatever it is you're teaching right. and just go for it. And then, and then, you know, what's funny is they'll be trying to do something while you're teaching it. So no one's looking at them because, you know, you're teaching. <laughs> you're kind of looking at them out of the corner of your eye, like, in the back of your mind, like, in your mind, you're like, oh, even though you're teaching, in the back of your mind, you're like, this asshole. <laughs> that's all you can say. So if you had like a thought bubble, that's what you would see above your head, right? There. This dude. <laughs> I went out my course where Thomas Rich was like, man, that guy just couldn't wait to show you every single move that you were that he's all practicing before the students get a chance. I was like, oh man. But our guest today is definitely not that guy. He's an extremely impressive athlete. His name is Max Shank, awesome instructor based out of San Diego. And like I said, when he came through the course in 2009, he was a real student, very impressive guy. It was obvious to everyone there, but he was very humble and very open to learning stuff. And I and since then we've seen him go on to really flourish as a strength coach. He's really picked up a great name. His his gym in San Diego is doing really well. He competes in a variety of athletic endeavors, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Muay Thai, et cetera, and excels really well. So Max, welcome to the show, man. Pleasure. Pleasure to have you on. Hey Mike, sincere. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's great to uh talk to you guys again. Hey man, definitely our pleasure, man. And and just when we were talking about Age of Quarrel. I actually got to, like, Max and I actually partnered on a lot of the drills that were going on during that weekend. And so I got to see firsthand just how gifted this guy is, man. I was very, very impressed. And he was a great guy to work with. Again, like Mike was saying, he wasn't trying to just show what he could do. We both were learning together. And pretty much we've just really, we've watched each other just really evolve in this industry in, in that time. And it's amazing what happens in four years, man. You know, looking at five years now at this point. And I just watched, like, your, 
for me to watch what's going on at your gym, man, is very impressive because, you know, we have a lot of things that kind of run parallel as far as the type of clients that we have working with the people that we want to work with. So I'm very, you know, from just a, from a gym owner standpoint, really impressed with what's going on with Ambition Athletics, man, and what you guys are doing over there and the ladies are doing over there. That's a really impresses me like you've got some strong ass women there and it's, it's like a great testament of what great programming and actually lifting weights can do for women and kind of dispel this whole myth of like oh i don't want to lift weights because it's gonna make me bulky and look like a man <laughs> so yeah man, i think you're, you're doing a great job with that because none of your girls look like men but i'm pretty sure they can outlift a lot of men that we know <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, not, not i really appreciate that yeah i'm sure they good. would be uh they'll be really happy to hear that Oh, no, my pleasure, man. Now, nowadays, when women worry about looking like men, they have to realize that a lot of men look like women now. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. So you, you shouldn't be too worried, <laughs> ladies. I mean, have you looked around lately? <laughs> With all the estrogen dominance out there, a lot of couples, a lot of male and female couples look like lesbian couples. And it's, it's, it's kind of really unfortunate. <laughs> No, but the other thing Sincere told me is when he had to do a lot of partner drills with Max, he was really impressed with the glute activation drill section because Sincere tells me he still feels the squeeze that Max Stop gave it. on his butt cheeks in uh, 2009. No. <laughs> <laughs> he really felt that grip straight there. That's one of the glute activation drills we do at the course. We'll, we'll do that one in Vegas, folks, in I'm case gonna, you're really keen on that one. I'm going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, but... But Max, you've been in, in kind of the middle of a lot of interesting events. As most people know, I started off in the RKC myself, and then I departed around 2006 to just pursue my own business further and so forth. Everyone knows that story. But around 2012, there was a very interesting departure where Pavel actually decided to leave the RKC, which we all thought is really interesting because <laughs> we kind of associated him as the RKC. So now, now he left the RKC to go start his own thing. And a lot of instructors were left with the choice. Do you want to follow Pavel and be part of his new vision? Or should you stay put and see what the opportunities are there? Can you kind of walk us through what was going on in people's minds back then? What was, what was the situation like among all the instructors on during that time frame? And then what ultimately led you to stay with the RKC? And then how has that been for your business and, and career? Boy, that's, uh, that's a lot of questions. I'll see if I can uh, remember them all. If I forget one, go ahead and remind yeah, we'll, me about <laughs> we'll, we'll jump in with question two and three as you go along. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I would say the first thing that happened was uh, just confusion. You know, I mean, right. RKC was a, was a big organization with a lot of coaches. And when the split happened, it was it was kind of like mom and dad got a divorce. And nobody knew that there was anything wrong. <clears throat> because mom and dad kept it really quiet. And it happened very suddenly. Um, there were negotiations happening, and Pavel decided to leave um, sort of instantaneously there, and it left everyone very confused. So it was just kind of put everybody in the hot seat as to choose who do you want to stay with. And... Um, I know for me personally, a lot of the personality types that uh, were associated with the people we went through to strong first really, um, didn't, really mesh well, didn't really mesh well with what uh, what I was trying to teach people. You know, it's very uh, militaristic, and it's kind of like an old boys club, to be honest with you guys. And right. 
mm-hmm. I felt like no matter how much I tried to be a great coach or to help people, that if you weren't part of the boys club, you were certainly um, an outsider. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, the truth is, you guys, I saw this really great opportunity to rid myself of a lot of people who were, again, just a little bit too militaristic, uh, not really focused on making people healthy, more focused on getting people a beat down. Right. And uh, I remember there were uh, several workshops before the split happened where, you know, there just wasn't a lot of uh, care and attention paid to people's health during that weekend. It was really more about laying a beat down and proving a point. It's like the uh, kid who gets bullied in high school decides to grow up and be a cop so he can bully people more. And I felt like right. with a lot of people who went to the other organization, that was the predominant personality trait. Right. And um, So I saw it as a huge opportunity, to be honest with you, to um, be able to realize my vision for the RKC a lot better. And uh, working with John Duquesne has been really great. He's been very receptive to what I've brought to the table, which is a much more sustainable and realistic environment for people to cultivate health and movement above strength. And in the long run, I think you'll find that this helps everybody a lot more than just focusing on uh, being strong. And in the end, you'll actually be stronger and healthier anyway. Right. Definitely. Now, you give me a lot of flashbacks actually listening to you because I was part of that boys club <laughs> because I was in the inner circle. You know, I was, I was a member of the first senior RKC team back in 2003. It was basically put together with Steve Maxwell, Jeff Martone, Nate Morrison, Steve Cotter, Brett Jones, and myself, Andrea Duquesne as well. And one of the things that I emphasized the public quite a bit when I was in the organization is that it's a big mistake to create a hierarchy like that where there's no chance for someone to attain that level because he just handpicked all of us. It wasn't like some testing that we had to go through and we passed, and that's why we're part of that thing. So I even said, and what's funny is no one was with me on this, I even said that it would be a good idea if he rotates senior RKCs out, almost like they're politicians. In other words, we work with him for a couple years, then it's like, all right, time for you guys to go back on your own, build your own thing. So in other words, that would give an opportunity for another group to come in and basically go through what we did, the benefits of teaching at each instructor course, et cetera. No one was for that, though, of course, because they realized you know, it was going to hurt their own position. Me, I always had a lot of stuff going on. To tell you the truth, me teaching at, at Dragon Doors events when I was a senior RKC was basically a distraction from what I was doing because I was teaching all over the country and even doing some international courses through my own, through my own measures. So to me, actually, I, I was I was the first one to even volunteer. I was like, and I'll be the first one to since this is my idea, I'll be the first one to drop out and just go pursue my own stuff, and then give someone else an opportunity to come in. And pa- Pablo didn't like the idea. No one else in the room liked the idea, of course. And it was basically well, like, nah, you guys, all you guys roll here in the beginning. I handpicked all of you. There's, you know, it pays to be first. And I was like, that's not the point. I was like, the point is you're going to create all these minions of people that are willing to sell each other out and be snitches and so forth as a way to try to work to curry favor and work into that hierarchy. And he just didn't see where I was coming from. And that was one of the reasons why I left, honestly. I was telling Sincere this yesterday. I go, I left the organization because I didn't really feel like I could make any meaningful difference. I would give advice on what I thought was going wrong. And then it would be like, okay, okay, thanks for letting us know. And then nothing would happen there. Yeah, I can completely uh, see that. And, you know, what motivates people the most, I think, is fear. And for someone who doesn't have anything else going on, 
they're going to be holding on to what little they do have going on with the death grip, and they're never right. going to want to let it go. So yep. I'm fortunate enough to find myself in the same situation you were in, where I've got a lot of other projects that I'm working on that it affords me the right to choose. I mean, what's right. more empowering than being able to choose? Right. And uh, ultimately, staying with Dragon Door and John and the RKC has been one of the best things I've done for my career, though, because I was able to I was able to choose, and I had a voice. You know, right. the uh, curriculum has changed so much that uh, the old ways of uh, joining the military for three days, which is effectively what it was, <laughs> right. are uh, right. are long gone. I mean, you have. Uh, you have people now passing the course at uh, 72 years old. The guy that I worked with in Houston, actually, oh, a few awesome. weeks ago, uh, when he first came in, couldn't touch his toes, couldn't reach his arms overhead. And there's such a focus on health and flexibility that works concurrently with building strength with the kettlebells that he was able to uh, pass the course over three days of uh, really a lot of self-improvement and I think that's what it's all about. So I'm really uh, grateful for the opportunity to uh, send this message to more people. I mean, it definitely, oh, helps. Cool. It definitely helps when you have these certifications because so many now they're just, they're paper mills now they're paper farms. Basically you show up, you give them the paper, AKA your money. And in exchange, they give you paper, which is a certification. And that's pretty much the focus of everything. And there is no real true like emphasis on health and improving and getting better. And it's all about just pass everybody so we can give, you know, so we can get their money and they, will, they won't want to refund. And so it's good to hear that it, things are changing in that direction, at least in your case, you know, at least that you have that focus, then you have the freedom to have that focus to do that and really emphasize health and not so much worry about like, okay, let's just pass them, get them through here and get ready to go next weekend to, you know, BFE and go teach there and, you know, get another $2,000 certification, you know, or people come in and pay for that as well. So it's good to see that emphasis happen there because that's in this industry right now, that's becoming a rarity and it sucks that we're in health and fitness and that right there is becoming rare and we should be surprised to hear that, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Now the military, the, the fake military experience that always brings back flashbacks too, because that was always something I found distasteful, especially when we had members of the military taking the course <laughs> and often I, too, yeah, <laughs> yeah. often I would have military people come up to me and go, look, man, I mean, I, I didn't come out here to get dropped for push-ups and have to say yes, sir, to some ladies never been in the military ever. I mean, the whole thing was distasteful. And I was like, I don't, I don't blame you guys, man. I didn't teach that way myself. You know, the funny thing is I actually tried teaching that way early in my career because Pavel was my, was my role model, and he definitely did a lot early in my career to help me out, no doubt about it. So I would look at his teaching style. I'm like, okay, you know, that seems to be pretty effective. You know, people seem to like that style, and it seems to resonate and so forth, and people are receptive. So I remember I taught a course where, you know, I'm dropping people for push-ups if they show up late. I'm doing that whole military, like I'm, I'm doing my Louis Gossett Jr. imitation <laughs> from Officer and a Gentleman. And then afterwards, I was like, you know what? I feel like a douchebag, and I should, because that was really douchey behavior. I was like, this is stupid. This is not me. This is not who my personality oh my is. God. I'm not uptight like that. And why, why are people who are paying to, to learn from me, why do they have to say sir to me? It should be the other way around. And I was like, never again, man. Time to be yourself. You know, don't try to be anyone else's teaching style. That's his teaching style. And maybe it works well for him and people like it, but it's not a fit for my personality type. 
and then I just went in my own direction and developed the style that I have now. But you know, Mike, Mike, it's funny. I just, it's just funny, man. I just saw a post actually um, from the guest we had last week. We had our buddy Ted Rice on, and his podcast partner Matt Pack was actually saying, like, yeah, you know, sincere Mike are really good dudes, and I'm just now forgiving Mike for making me have to drop down and do push-ups for being late to his course that one time. So obviously, Mike, whoever you were in that past life, you know, some people are still feeling the effects of that guy right there. That course was my worst. It was funny when he brought that up because I was on his podcast and he brought that up to me and I'm like, oh boy, that that was my worst course ever because it was in Northern Virginia. It was maybe like five or six events and and I was still trying to find my style and what I should do. Mm-hmm. And this was a, this was an example of I, I had learned all of these exercises and I had picked up a couple new ones on my own and I had all these interesting things that I couldn't wait to show people. And that's all fine and good. But I was teaching a beginner level one course, and that's not the place to do it. And right. I went in there, and I'm teaching like 40 exercises in 40 minutes. You know, <laughs> people are dead. It's like five hours in, people are dead. And then, fortunately, a good friend of mine was assisting me, my friend Dylan Thomas, who you've met since you're at mm-hmm. Collision Course, and he's a, he's a straight shooter. So he's like, hey man, you know that. He's like, I, he's like, I have a lot of respect for you, and I've always worked, liked working with you, but that one was way too much, just show and tell. Like, here's what I can do. Kind of, it just came off that way. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. And then I, I, I dialed everything back in after that course and just focused on the basics, made it all about the students instead of how impressive I can be. And everything got better from there. You know, the, the students were be- The students enjoyed the course more. I felt way better because it's like what Max sh- said. It's not about it's not about this creating this fake military experience or being a bully or being rude to people. And I was, I was never a bully to people, but I was, I was too focused on the attention on me. Like, what can I do? What can I show people? I felt like I needed to really show impressive stuff as a way to get people talking about me and my courses (laughs) and get the word out there. And then I just realized how flawed that line of thinking was that day, fortunately. And (laughs) everything changed after that. It was a real turning point, man. It was like a real line of demarcation. So it was funny to hear Matt talk about that experience because I was like, man, if you just came one course later, it would have been a totally (laughs) different experience for you. It's funny you're saying that, (laughs) you know, you just kind of make, you know, you want to do all that to get out there. And now I was just about to make a comment. One thing that I did notice when I was working with Max that weekend, I was pretty much coming off of a pretty bad RKC experience from someone I considered a friend, you know, and, and they showed their true colors where they, they were not a person that thought for themselves. They kind of were falling into this, you know, my, <laughs> Mike and I talk about this. They kind of fell into this Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad thing, you know, and you know how when Malcolm first got out of prison and every time Malcolm would open his mouth, you ask him a question like, well, the honorable Elijah Muhammad tells us, you know, but no, I'm asking you, Malcolm, how do you feel about that? Well, the honorable, and then this guy became, he, he just reminded me of that. And, you know, anytime we talk about training kettlebells, he said, well, Pavel Sosselin t- teaches. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, fresh out of prison, Malcolm, what's wrong with you? I'm like, dude, what? I'm like, how do you teach? How are you teaching your people? Well, Pavel teaches us that we should blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, my God. And then he backdoors. He goes, you know, Sincere, come, you know, you, you really should come and join the RKC. I'm like, well, I'm happy where I am right now. I don't know. No, 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 no. F that. You know, all the other stuff is BS. You know, it's cool that you're with them, but you need to be in the RKC, be with some real folks. And that just turned me off. I was like, are you serious right now? And then after I said, no, nah, I'm good. He pretty much n- had nothing else to say to me after that. So he showed his true colors, you know, and, to you the, know, you know, so and, funny. and then I met you. and I was like, well, you know what? You know, I, OK, I had an experience with one asshole out of the group. Maybe they're not that bad. But then what I did notice while working with you that weekend, Age of Coral, I said, well, who the thing is, I'm working with Max Shank. I'm not working with Max Shank, 
RKC instructor. And that right there, for me, anybody can be their own person, no matter who they're working with. It's just a, it's just a matter of fact that you were working within the RKC organization, but you still had your own personality. You had your own identity. And again, you were there, you were learning, and you were doing that for the purpose of becoming a better coach, not a better RKC instructor. And that was that resonated with me a lot. I was like, okay, I, I can deal. This is the type of folks that I can deal with right here. People who are real. And and that was the, yeah. like I said, that was just one of the things that really turned me off right before that. And of course, you always take some one bad apple kind of spoil the bunch. Like because you look around, you look at the forums. It was, that dude wasn't the only one. It was quite a few people like him, you know. And Absolutely. and I was like, oh God, I'll never join this organization. But it's just funny that like, yeah. now how things have just kind of changed. It's just like. You know, even I have buddies who are still, you know, who chose to stay with RKC as well. And just like you, they said things are just so much better. And it looks like things are a lot better because I can see these guys and these ladies actually being able to build their own businesses along with working within the RKC as well. Which before you would get blacklisted if you were like trying to work and, and do a, a certain modality of kettlebell training well, the, that didn't the problem resonate with, with them. Yeah, the problem with the previous power structure, and I'll be curious to see what your thoughts or are on lack this next, is that... The, the previous structure is that it was all built to protect Pavel. You know, it, it's his company. He's the top RKC, and everyone else is always going to be in a secondary position. So the best you can do is get into his inner circle, but you're never going to achieve being on an equal footing with him. It just wasn't set up that way. And for a lot of people, that's okay. They, they just want to be hang around guys. They just want to be someone who's part of the little inner circle. But for a lot of us who left early on, that wasn't enough. People like myself, Steve Cotter, Jeff Martone, Steve Maxwell, we're not looking to be secondary to anybody. So when there wasn't an opportunity to really grow fully, that was also another factor for why a lot of us departed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I was already um, planning my exit, to be honest with you, before the split happened. Mm, mm. Interesting. Um, just because of all the things I said before, um, right. in terms of things going in a direction that I wasn't, it just didn't jive with me. You know, the, uh, whole yelling at people thing is so not my style. Right. And right. I, I believe whatever way you want to teach people has to be totally authentic and organic. And I'm not the guy who's going to yell at you to try harder. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the cheerleader. I will give right. you the tools to make yourself better, but the rest is up to you. And if you, you can use that information however you want. Right. You know, and sincere story reminds me of, uh, the definition or the difference between, uh, confidence and arrogance. Right. With, right. That, with that guy that you, you were talking about there. And, uh, confidence is knowing that you're right. <laughs> arrogance is believing that your way is the only way that's right. 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 <laughs> right. 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 Absolutely. And I, and, I, and I think when you have to belittle people and you have to try to put them down, that shows a serious lack of confidence. And it's, it, and it, and it's very distasteful and it's something that in the long run is not going to be effective because you're not going to attract smart people. Smart people are not going to respond well to that. Leaders are not going to respond well to that. And they're not going to stick around. They're going to they're leave. You're going to lose all of your good people when you put yourself out there that way. And then you're just going to have a bunch of yes men and yes women who just follow everything you say and never question anything. Yeah. And what you so, have here is, you know, the thin line between confidence and arrogance is insecurity. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and that guy definitely, I mean, it's, he's full of insecurity and it kills me because he can bring a lot to the table, but he's so effing afraid to step out. And, and it sucks to see a grown ass man be afraid, you know, and, and be so strong. It's like, dude, you got all these 
strong qualities, but you refuse to utilize them. You know, you just want to. Is, is he the same guy that you talk about, the Home Depot guy? Is that the same person? <laughs> I'm just surprised he's not working at the Home Depot <laughs> by, by now. You know, that's where he goes to get all of his nails to bend and stuff like that, right? You know, Jeez. that's where he. Goes. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that that's a few different people though, so I'm still not being specific. I'm, 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 I'm just trying to let people get warm. It's like what are these guys talking about. <laughs> that just narrowed it down right there. Like, whoa, 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 Give me a little hit there. You know. <laughs> no, what's interesting. Max is that I actually reached out to both Pavel and John in 2012, way before all of this went down, actually, because Steve Cotter and I had a, an idea of putting together like a kettlebell convention type event where we would have all the different styles there. So RKC could be represented. Valeri Fedorenko could be there. IKFFF. And just have all of these different mediums of kettlebell training in one place and then let people just see all these different facets and then pick and choose what they like rather than saying this is better than this and this is superior, that's superior. So I reached out to both John and Pavel and said, hey, I just wanted to clear the airs with, with you guys and let, let's, let's stop all of this wasted time of people working against each other and try to find some common ground here. And John responded right away and he's like, hey, I don't know if this will work out because obviously he has to deal with Pavel at that time. He, had to, he and Pavel had to be on the same page if they wanted to be a part of that. And because of the way that Steve Cotter left, which most people know that story, if you don't, it's not hard to find. <laughs> Neither one of these guys wanted to work if he's involved with the whole thing. So I was trying to like be the medium to weather to, to, to bring everyone to a table and find some common ground. Pavel didn't want to have anything to do with it. Right away, he's like, wish you'll pass. You know, it was like a three-word email response, which is typical. Yeah. Him, you know, <laughs> that did surprise <laughs> me. I've been talking to the guy in four years. I was like, Mike, glad you're doing well. We shall pass. You know, that, <laughs> that was it. I was like, man, something's never changed. And then John is like, hey, let's talk on the phone. I wanted to break up a few things with you. And we had a really nice conversation. And, 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 it, and it, he didn't, he's like, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to be a part of it for this. I like what you're trying to do and all that. And I was like, yeah, I respect that. I respect that. And we had, we had a really good conversation. So I'm not surprised when I hear what you're saying, Max, that John is easy to work with and he's allowed some decentralization in power where there isn't that one figurehead who's the dictator who tries to control everything. And, and that's really what it sounds like. It sounds like the, the power is decentralized and then each person has much more input on the development of the program. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, Again, like I said before, one of the things that really attracted me to it is he's willing to uh, listen and let it be not necessarily a straight democracy, but he's really willing to um, do what it takes to deliver a better product. And if I have an idea that really works with uh, our new model, he's uh, he's very quick to not only uh, agree to it, but also act on it. And I know that you and Sincere were in business for yourself as well know that uh actions speak louder than words right and that's one of the hardest things to get people to do is follow through but i mean just as far as um being so open to uh new ideas and acting on things quickly uh like i said i'm really i'm really fortunate to be uh with dragon door and rkc right now i really like what it's turning into that's cool to hear i mean it's what's interesting is that it sounds like the decentralization is stuff that I wanted to see back in the day. Sometimes things take longer than they do, but I'm glad to see it kind of come to that point because it's, it, it allows leaders like you and my good friend Josh Henkin, who I know is a big part of it, and he, he's, he's, I've heard him say similar things in blogs and so forth, so I'm, I'm glad to hear all that. Now, were oh, you Josh surprised? Is, Josh is a great guy. Yeah, Josh, Josh is a really, is good a really guy. great guy. And I'm really no happy that he's, uh, 
actually just recently are starting a new partnership with the uh, HKC and his uh, One Day Ultimate Sandbag course. Oh, cool. So it's basically like a level one kettlebell and a level one uh, sandbag, which I was telling Josh a while ago, they go together so well. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited to see him and John get that rolling as well. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And it's also that's cool. cool. It sounds I, like I've a win-win. That, I've seen that you guys are also yeah. working with um, Al and Danny Cavadlo as well, man. So kind of broadening out and really incorporating, you know, a different style of body weight training and pretty much you're bringing in this fun element. And, you know, these guys have pretty much been like YouTube superstars for years. And it's good to see that the door is open for these guys to come in as well and show what they've learned and pretty much bring their following along with them as well. So what ends up happening, you're pretty much introducing a different audience now to what Dragon Door has to offer. And then on the flip side of that, Dragon Door is being opened up to a different audience that Al and Danny bring as well. You have all these guys, like all the calisthenic Kings and all these guys that, you know, that work with these guys and follow these guys. Now they're being opened up to this. And next thing you know, these guys are being open more to the world of kettlebells. And so you kind of have this merge because again, just like with sandbags, you know, another thing that goes great with kettlebells is body weight training. And this is something, all the three of these things can really resonate with anyone, no matter where, how old they are, you know, where they come from athletically or anything like that. And these are very portable tools, including the human body. So it's, it's a great mesh. But again, it's like Mike was saying, the cool thing is it's been decentralized now. So now you have these other figures out there that can really resonate with folks and make it a little bit more inviting to bring all these different modalities together without having this big giant barrier to entry like back before, which was basically one person. Completely agree with you. I mean, body weight training is probably, um, you know, for the last couple of years, something I've been working on the hardest because it's just, uh, you know, bang for your buck is insane and it's so much fun. Definitely. And it goes beyond just doing push-ups and just doing, you know, some body weight squats and some crunches and things like that. Now people are going to see like, oh, wow, I didn't know I could do that. Or I didn't know that I could actually build muscle from body weight training because that's usually the myth. It's like, oh, it just depends who you are. Now, if you're trying to be a bodybuilder, then, yeah, it's not going to really help you very much. Just like kettlebell is not really going to help you very much to build that massive amount of muscle you're going to need to go on stage. But it can be both can be great assistance tools when you are training as a bodybuilder and probably help you be to be in the game a little bit longer and be a lot healthier by adding the two to your isolation style training as a bodybuilder as well. So that there's the difference right there. So there's a place for it in every in pretty much every aspect, no matter what. So it's just again, it depends on your goals, but we all know that. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about this whole strong first and RKC, and then we'll transition into your training style, Max, because I really want people to hear about what you're all about, and then also some of the projects you have coming up. But I'm I'm curious if you were surprised by who joined Strong First, and who were you surprised by people that you thought would stick around with the RKC, and they went to Strong First, and then were you surprised at all by people who ended up staying with the RKC? Um. You know, now that the uh, dust is cleared, I would say uh, like 99% of the folks who went over there, I I could have guessed. You know, because <laughs> right. in general, it just it just attracts a certain kind of uh, trainer personality. Right. That uh, that is very obvious. And there were a few people who I was surprised, but their reasons were more like, you know, I want to continue to follow and support Pavel, and. Um, he and I had a bit of a falling out before, so that wasn't really anything that would uh, keep me to go with him as well. But I would say, in general, most of the people that went over, um, I could have, I could have guessed. 
That wasn't right. surprising at all. Right. Right. Now I wasn't too surprised either. A few people I was, I, I thought were going to be more independent, but when they ultimately did decide to go in that direction, it didn't really surprise me too much. I, I also know how Paul Bo operates. I can, I can just visualize him calling up various people going, we expect you to be part of our team. <laughs> you know, and then people, people that, people that, People just—he—he kind of has like this this ability to mesmerize some people where they just follow suit. We're like, I've—I've I've heard many people in the past where they're like, man, you know, I'm going to tell Pablo to f off about this. I'm fed up with this kind of stuff. And then like a, a a day later, I'll go, yeah, you know, I talked to Pablo yesterday, and you know, he made me see some things really clearly. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it reminds me of the scene of Return of the Jedi when Luke Skywalker's talking to Big Fortuna, and he's trying to go in and see Jabba the Hutt. And he's like, you serve your master well. I serve my master well. <laughs> he's, good, he's good at ordering people, and some people are good order takers, and he's very good at assessing that. So he can call someone up and and say, what have you decided to do? We expect you to be part of our team. You know, you know, and then, yeah. then, okay, I'm in. You know, and some people are just going to follow right into that. So, I mean, he's a very charismatic speaker, and some people are just very attracted to that. And they just, some people just want to follow people. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but that, that's just the way it is. It's kind of like what we but talked about problem, yesterday, Mike. You know, some people, you know, I mean, the way the world is set up, you know, some people are better being soldiers than generals. You know, it's, right. it's kind of like it works better that way in a lot of cases. I mean, if everybody wanted to be like a CEO, then nobody would be working for the company. You know, so you just have a bunch that's of people. Right. With a that's bunch a of- good thing. Though. You know, maybe everyone should be an entrepreneur. You know, <laughs> I mean, because if you go back far enough, everyone was an entrepreneur in this country. There wasn't anyone you met. You might have been an apprentice for someone, but the goal was to be your own entity. Right. And then this concept of being an employee. I mean, that didn't come until the turn of the century. So, I mean, it's. And, and then now people, most the, the vast majority of people are very intimidated by the idea of being an entrepreneur. Right. But to it's me, just, it's, it's, it's if you're that, that fear of being an entrepreneur is like the fear of moving out of your parents' house. <laughs> you know? So you don't want to raise the world out there because when when you work for someone else, it's like it, it's like they're your parents now. You have to ask for permission when they get time off. You have right. to make sure you show up on time. Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble. You can't leave until they stay. And that's I mean, that was never going to work for me and my personality type. I'm surprised I lasted as long as I did in the internet well, world, you know, corporate it's world. It's so funny too because uh, it's really a two-edged sword. There's a lot of freedom associated with working some for someone else and not having all the responsibility that goes along with it. Yeah. I mean, a friend of mine who was uh, working for himself as a trainer for a lot of years, he just recently got a salary at a gym, and he said he's uh, less stressed than he's been in ten years. Right, so right. it's kind of a it's kind of a a security blanket sometimes, and I think that a lot of people sure. feel a lot of freedom actually in following orders rather than having to come up with it themselves because there's a lot more pressure. And some people well, just don't have that; they don't really know how to tap into that creativity gene as well. That's another right. thing. They're just very like, well, you know, I couldn't. Some just don't a, have it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you know, you some there, there is no need to tap into it. But a lot of people, let's be honest here. I mean, you know, this is like, um, like, dude, it's like I've worked with people, man, and helped them with business coaching. Like, well, what do you think about this? And they're like, oh. I mean, how do you just come up with this stuff, man? That's that's why I hired you. How do you guys? Whoa, okay. And that's when you just kind of know, like, okay, this is not going to go very far, <laughs> you know. So it's not going to go very far because they're just thinking, like, every time you say something, they're like, I don't even know how you just come up with this stuff, man. That's just amazing. I'm like, you know, honestly, maybe you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to work for someone else. In your case, it's probably a well, you also have to. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's, it's a lot better for you in this case, and luckily, they're you know this person in this situation be they're younger, they're single. 
you know, they don't have any kids, so they don't have any responsibilities, you know. So it's like they can kind of figure it out right then, and, you know, they're kind of dipping and dapping and that. But when you're like 40 years old and you're trying to decide, oh, should I be an entrepreneur? Look, if you have to ask yourself, should I be an entrepreneur? You should not be an entrepreneur at 40 years old. Right. You know, it's, no, right. it's not a question at that point. It, it has to be a do or die situation. Like, I have to do this at that point. It's not a question of like, hmm, that sounds cool. Maybe I should do that. No, you, you should not at that point in your life, man. So, right. <laughs> no, I mean, if you're well, if you're a natural entrepreneur, you're going to naturally gravitate towards exactly. it. You just, you just get you, you're going to keep getting fired from jobs. You know, you're going to keep pissing yeah, people buddy. off that you work for. That's what happened to me. It's That's like me. I tried to. I had a really bad entrepreneurial experience out of college where I lost a ton of money, and, and after all, I was working my ass off, and I didn't make anything, and I had all this debt, and I was like, never again. This is stupid. I'm just going to go work for someone else. Let them deal with that hassle, and then I, and then I tried to be an employee, but you know, <laughs> after a few years and getting fired many times for performing well, but pissing off my superiors, you know, I was spit out of that world many times, and and then that the only good advice I ever got from the last person I worked for was, you know what, Mike, you're. You, I think you should be an entrepreneur, you know, <laughs> don't try to work for someone else again. I was like, you know what? You're a fucking idiot, but you are right about that. <laughs> you know? so I'm going to take your advice and go with that. <laughs> oh. uh, I think, I think what most people see, uh, entrepreneurship like is you work less and you make more money, but that's kind of the <laughs> furthest thing from the truth, right? If you work more Not right off the bat, for, oh, it takes time for a long time and, you make you set money, it up. Yeah. and then maybe you make more money. Yeah, they, I think they think it's so instant. It's like, oh, well, he's a natural entrepreneur. He just thinks of stuff and it just happens and, he, and he's rich. You know, he's making all this money, he's doing all this stuff. Like, dude, you don't understand. You have to put in your work. You got to put in your time. You got to learn your craft. It's something you have to consistently work on on a daily basis. It's not something like like Mike mentions millions of times on the show. It's not something you can just do on the side and hope for the best there. No, you, right. you got to put right. the focus into it. And trust me, the three of us, the things that we've done, it didn't happen overnight. We put in our time and we're still putting in time. Yeah, you know, things are a lot better now than they were when we all started, but we're constantly working on our crafts one way or another or another. So it's not like it's just like, oh, we're not like living this Wolf of Wall Street type lifestyle right here, man. So and which is probably a good thing because, you know, I'm not good on prison. I'm cool on going to prison. <laughs> you know, so, I'm to my, I watched six seasons of Oz. I'm good. That was the best just say <laughs> that's the best just say no campaign I've ever watched in my life right there. Six seasons of Oz. <laughs> That'll keep you on a straight yeah, and narrow. Sincere sincere is about to rob a bank, but he's listening he's watching Oz in the be, before, and then it's right? <laughs> out of BC like okay, come here. <laughs> like no. <laughs> I mean the thing the thing about doing what you love to do is it's still hard work, but it's work you want to do. And that's what makes right. all the difference. You'll put in those hard hours and you'll put in the time that you would never put in working for someone else because that's their vision it's not yours but when it's your thing at least speaking personally you don't mind the hard work because you're building your own creation it's exciting your own entity and i'm I, you know you, you can definitely set up your business at some point where you develop these passive income streams and so forth where it takes the edge off and you, you're not putting in the same amount of time you had to put in when you first started your career that's kind of where i'm at right now is i still work hard but it's, it's a different kind of working hard than traveling all over the world, promoting courses and the grunt, the real grunt work I did the first four years of my career, which I was happy to do because it was finally me doing something that I love doing, that I enjoy doing. But uh, I, I think a lot of people are intimidated by the hard work. And that's a good thing, because if you are, then don't try to be an entrepreneur. You know, just just like Sincere said, just stay put. 
let's talk about pretty much what's going on now with your gym and your business and how are you incorporating your style of programming with your clients and how is that meshing with also with the work that you're doing with Dragon Door? Oh, sure. Well, Ambition Athletics has been in uh, business now for closing in on five years and uh, we just hired our fifth employee recently and uh, things are going really well at the gym. I got no complaints there. I actually started up another gym in Albuquerque, New Mexico last year that we just sold mm. for a really nice profit. Just basically oh, nice. using, using the same model that uh, that I did with Ambition, but I was able to skip a lot of the mistakes I made in the first round. Right. And uh, we were generating a profit within two months. And by the end of 11 months when we sold it, uh, our receivables were just insane and everything was going really well. Hey man, so I was what, really, uh, really happy with that. That's a new that business was, right there, man. Instead of house flipping, gym flipping. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it was really great. Um, gosh, training wise has been uh, really busy. You know, I've been doing a lot of traveling. It's been really great. I got to go to uh, Sweden, Italy, Germany, and Australia last year to go teach, oh, nice. which was Nice. Absolutely killer. A uh, lot of great athletes and coaches out there. And, um, you know, probably traveled about 12 weekends last year, probably going to do about 14 to 16 this year, which is, which is really great. I mean, every weekend I put so much time and energy into it because I believe that whatever I can teach all those coaches there, they're going to carry forward and teach other people. So that's the way I can, uh, really do a lot of good and make a lot of change in people's lives is make sure that they have something very useful to take home that can really help people. That's awesome, man. That's really awesome. Yeah, killer. killer. Yeah. And, uh, let's see, training wise, uh, I kind of just try to squeeze it in to be honest with you guys. Right. I, uh, I've been competing in the Highland games for two years now. Yeah, definitely. I've seen the pictures and videos. Yeah. That's that's really great. I uh, was fortunate of, fortunate enough to go to the uh, world championships the last two years, actually, oh, very for cool. the for the lightweight category. Uh, throws are getting better all the time. I cracked the top ten this year at Worlds, which was great. I was uh, a little surprised, but uh, very happy all the same. Nice. Uh, you know, my my training is uh, pretty abbreviated these days. The busier I get. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, you just don't have as much time as you used to. But what I like to focus on mostly is I'll do a lot of gymnastics-style movements for the upper body mm-hmm. and Olympic lifts and heavy squatting and deadlifting for the lower body with just a ton of flexibility work. You know, I'm, I'm of the mind that the more flexible you are, the more strong you can be. So I think uh, flexibility is really paramount. So I do a whole lot of uh, different kind of gymnastics flexibility drills that uh, really carry over a lot. You know, some stuff from martial arts, but really uh, seems to be the uh, magic bullet for the least amount of time invested and the most bang for your buck. It seems like it's often 
just flexibility is that one aspect of, of training and fitness that just gets left out because for a lot right. of people it's, it's a hard sell. It's hard to market it. it it's not sexy, you know, on a, from a marketing perspective, but I'm just like, yeah, but it's sexy when your body's able to move fluently and you can avoid injury. And that's the thing about it. So I think that, that what ends up happening, you have so many people trying to find so many different things for the sake of just being different that they forget about the basics and everything that you just outlined right now, as far as what you do when you do have time to train, honestly, just doing those things, they make up for any time that you don't have It's for, cause they get right to the point. There's no lollygagging right. around when you're doing those, you're doing those big power movements, you're doing, you know, gymnastics drills, you know, of course you incorporate the body weight training and all that in there. Then you don't have to spend hours in the gym and trying to put things together. It's stuff you can do right there. And it's going to make you better each and every time because they get right to the point and they incorporate every part of your body. So, and also your mind as well. So yeah, man, it's again. Yeah. That's what I get the most is, Everyone assumes that I train about seven or eight hours a week, but the, re- the reality <laughs> of the situation is with with how freaking busy I am, right? I'll be lucky to get uh, three one-hour sessions in per week. Right. You know, it's just uh, there's only so many hours in the day, and I got so many things that are important to me that uh, you just got to make it work. Right. Yeah. Often that actually helps with your workouts because when you don't have a lot of time, you don't have time to mess around. You <laughs> right. tend to dial in your focus where you you pick the exercises or the, the workouts that are going to be most beneficial so you get the most bang for your buck. Oh, I've found that Definitely. to be true for a lot of people who have yeah. uh, been, been in all of our situation where you know you get busier, business is booming, you got more time, you're on the phone now, <laughs> you're, more, you're in front of the computer more, you're making yeah. things happen. And, you know, the workout is almost like an afterthought. So you're like, well, damn, I got 45 (laughs) minutes here. What's the most important thing? So it's like handstands, front levers, power snatches, squats, flexibility work, and I'm out. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So for for me, if I only have time to do one thing, it's deadlifts. You know, deficit deadlifts, regular deadlifts, doesn't matter. That's going to get done. You like deadlifts. Yeah, yeah, I am liking them. Actually, I'm curious to see, because I know you've been doing them a lot longer than I have, I'm curious what you found the carryover was from a deficit deadlift, let's say 2-inch, 4-inch, to just a traditional deadlift. Well, you know, it depends on the person. The reason I started doing them mostly uh, was for jiu-jitsu and martial arts. You find yourself in more of a disadvantaged position, and if you're able to uh, exercise strength through that full range of motion, you're going to be right. in less positions in a jiu-jitsu match mm. where you can't, uh, you know, thrash out of it. And right. that's, kind of, that's kind of been my ace in the hole in my weight classes for jiu-jitsu competitions is that I can basically, uh, you know, turn on, <laughs> turn on the turbo and get out of a bad position and get myself back in the game because I haven't been doing jiu-jitsu as long as uh, most of the guys I'm fighting against. Right. Um, I would say as far as the carryover is concerned, it really depends on the person's body type and where they usually miss a deadlift. Right. Uh, for people who miss a deadlift on the top half range of motion, I don't think they're going to see hardly any benefit from doing right. deadlifts to their regular right. deadlift. No doubt. But I think, I think generally, general in general, being able to pull from that deficit position is going to have a little bit of carryover to your regular deadlift and you can expect to pull probably 10% more depending on the size of the deficit. Of course. I mean, I'm pulling from the top of my feet right now, but you don't necessarily need to go that high. 
Right. Right. No, I find the four inch deficit is, is is infinitely more difficult than a regular deadlift. But when you go back to a regular deadlift, a regular deadlift now feels like a partial deadlift. Like the, like the, you know, the way deadlifts below my knee in the squat rack felt when I first started doing those, that's how a regular <laughs> deadlift feels now after doing deficits. Like I started doing, I did some regular deadlifts last week and I was like, wow, this almost feels like a partial movement. Doesn't even feel like a, anywhere near as difficult as it used to. So it's pretty cool. The, well, the four inch deficit for me is, is vicious, vicious. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, you have, I have to generate so much power just to get the bar moving. And it feels like it takes forever to get the bar moving. And then when you finally get it moving, it takes forever to finish it. it <laughs> That, that's been good, though, because I tend to be weak off the floor. If I can get the bar off the floor, I'm going to lock it out. So I've never been oh, – I've, yeah, I've never gotten a bar a few inches off the floor, and then I couldn't finish it. I'm going to finish it, especially once I get close to knee. It's going to power all the way through. But uh, if, I can't, if I can't get it off the floor, then it's not going anywhere, of course. Of course. Well, it's so funny. It almost feels like when you go back to regular deadlifts, you're cheating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I does. mean, I just recently uh, – I recently did a set of uh, trap bar deadlifts for the first time in a long time from the high handle. And, you know, it's funny. We always uh, tell people to uh, do as I say, not as I do sometimes. And I love the trap bar for a lot of people because it puts them in a little bit better position to uh, right. get deadlifting in for people who can't quite hit that good position with a straight bar. Right. And uh, I was amazed how much easier trap bar deadlift from the high handles was than the deficit deadlift. I mean, it's such a massive difference um, without even really practicing the lift, uh, trap bar deadlifts at all. Right. I think I did uh, like 415 for 20. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. <laughs> and, but, awesome. but honestly, the thing that gave out first was actually my abs just fatigued so much. Right, right. <laughs> so, you start getting that funky spasm going on in your abs. You're like, oh, hell, what is this, man? <laughs> 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 but those uh, those de- deficit deadlifts really have a lot of carryover to a lot of other lifts. Yeah, I've been having fun with it, man. I've been playing around with deficit deadlifts and chains, so it's hard off the floor, and it gets hard as you get closer oh, to locking out. And that's oh, interesting. That's I, I can't say there's any real benefits. I'm not going to say, man, this is incredible, and I've only done it once. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying there's any real measurable benefit. I'm just having fun playing around with it. I may say in a yeah. month, you know what, that didn't really pan out the way I thought it would. But a lot, a lot right. of training is that, is that you're experimenting with stuff, and sometimes you get excited about something because you think, oh, wow, this is probably what's going to happen. And then uh-huh. you realize that conclusion is, doesn't follow suit. And then, you know, so it's, it's always good to make sure that you know what the outcome is before you start recommending it to other people. And, and I, that, think that's, that's, I think that's something that happens with uh, coaches who don't have a lot of experience too, is they do something <laughs> and then they say, okay, this is the thing that you have to be doing. Right. You know, if some, someone who just learns about kettlebells is like, oh my God, if you use a barbell, <laughs> you are the dumbest person I've ever met. <laughs> Or, you know, someone takes a course and they're like, oh, my God, everything I learned here is right. And everything I knew before is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that happen on both sides. I've seen people use kettlebells for a while. They're like, this is the best thing ever. And then they go back to barbell work and they're like, fuck kettlebells. And I don't know why I ever wasted time with that. This stuff's (laughs) like, guys, man, Jesus, just there's, there's benefits to every single media beer. You just got to figure out how to put it together. You know when to do what. I love double. I love heavy double kettlebell swings as a nice assistance drill to deadlifts. You know, just picking up the speed and being explosive, especially outside oh, yeah. the feet. Because I do, 
I deadlift from a pretty close stance. So outside the feet, heavy kettlebell swings. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm strong just below the knee to lockout, where I have friends who are weak in that position. They're strong off the floor. But I think all the years of kettlebell training, I can really drive from that position and finish it. So, I mean, I think, I, I think it's silly when people get into all these different arguments about what's better, what's, what's the purpose of this, what's the purpose of that. It's like once you learn the different mediums and then you can determine when to use what for the desired outcome. Yeah, and I'm just the opposite of that, whereas I utilize deadlifts and especially with the trap bar, I utilize that to actually improve my speed when I'm competing in kettlebell sport. So it really helped me with my hip drive when I'm doing jerks and actually helped me just really get that torque that I need when I'm doing snatches with heavier kettlebells. And I start moving up and start doing competitions with the 28s and the 32s. So I really want to get that fast hip torque going in there and i use i use deadlifts as part of my assistance work so especially with the trap bar you know because i'm just right there in that one little spot right there you know everything's nice and fixed and i'm just boom i can just snap with it and so i can actually with the trap bar i can go a little higher with my repetitions as well whereas it's safer that way than just doing it with the barbell where i can't get too heavy with that if i'm going to do high reps but like i said, I utilize all that just to help me with kettlebell sports so it's just the opposite of what mike's doing so again there's a place for it depending on where you are because Trust me, in kettlebell sport, there's always people like, oh, why would I want to be using barbells? Why well, I'm doing dumbbell stuff? Well, I'm doing kettlebell sport. I mean, I just need to train with kettlebells. Yeah, have fun with that, buddy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Find yourself well, in the same spot. Just, no, go ahead. I, I wish we could all just agree that training is good. Lifting heavy <laughs> yeah, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> stuff fast and staying flexible. What more is there than that, guys? Am I right? Really, really. No, absolutely. Hey, Max, I can't, I can't say, hey, man, I can't make any 20-page ad copy on what you just said, Max. You, that's just not going to fly, dude. I got to come up with something yeah, people, really over the top. Come on, man. Exactly. Nobody's going like to <laughs> People like divisiveness. Like, this is the best way to go and everything else sucks. That, that's what pulls in a lot of people, honestly, because they like to wave that flag of superiority. It's like, we know something everyone else doesn't because they're all stupid. And they need to yeah. learn our stuff. And that's often the ad copy is like, look, everything you've been doing is wrong. And you need to come to our course to learn how to do it right. And when I, I used to laugh when I was much younger, seeing stuff like that. I was like, I don't know. What, what I'm doing seems to be working pretty well. You know, <laughs> like I just edge press 315 seven times. You know, I'm deadlifting five plates. I was like, I'm not, the, I'm not an expert at everything, but I think I've got a few things together over here. You know, it's total scare tactics. Yeah, exactly. Oh, of course. Fear I, sales, I don't man. like I don't like scare tactics to get someone to do something, and I don't ever like making a decision out of fear in my personal or professional life. You know, I never want to do something out of fear, like oh, if I don't do this, this is going to happen. I was like, that's stupid. Yeah. I'll, you know, focus on on the the positive part. Like, I want to do this because I want to make these amazing things happen, as opposed to like, let me do this so I can avoid this outcome. Yeah, that works good. in every aspect of life. So you know, like if you don't if you don't marry me, I'm going to leave you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Because yeah. obviously, 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 our love is not that strong. So, um, <laughs> deuces, baby. Take care. Have a good one. <laughs> oh, oh my. <laughs> I think, I think that's the concept that a lot of people don't understand is I've taken a lot of courses over the years myself, right? Like I've taken, obviously I came through the RKC system and I took Valeri Federico's AKC course. I've worked with the IKFF guys and I, I never just followed once. I never just dropped everything I was doing for what I just learned. It was always, okay, here's some cool things I can implement into what I like to do. Like I like kettlebell pressing. So what can I take from Valeri that would be useful for what I like to do? What can I take from Kim Blackburn, Sincere, from Max, etc.? So, I mean, every time I go to a course, it's just, it's, it's aggregate. You're looking for things to add as opposed to like, well, man, I'm just going to drop everything I've been doing, even though it's been working 
and just do this now. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is they, they want to feel like they have some aha moments. Like, man, I just took this course and I just realized everything I've been doing is wrong and now I'm going to do this the right Holy way. Holy grail. Then, and then they're going to teach another course and the same thing is going to happen. It's like, man, I thought I was doing everything right. Now I just took this other course. <laughs> Isn't it like hilarious that we're in an industry where they always – you have all these trainers and coaches that preach to their clients. There is no magic bullet. But these are the same suckers that are always looking for the magic bullet to teach their clients. <laughs> Those are often people that are trying to sell a magic bullet. Too. <laughs> the ad cops and everything else is is contradictory to that. It's like, okay, you're saying there isn't a magic bullet, but then you're also saying that everything you're doing is superior to anything else that's out there. So, you know, which one is it? Like, look, it, right. the only magic bullet I know is the one I make my shakes with in the morning. So let's just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and even that's not the only magic bullet because I also have a Vitamix. So get over it. So, yeah, man, it's just crazy. Sincere's actually selling magic bullets. I heard <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, I'm on there with David Wolf, man, in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Max is selling shanks now. Yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> That's what ambition athletics is all about. It's about how to survive in the pen. What you know? <laughs> <laughs> one thing, Max, is that I'm wondering if you've discovered who Paul Wade is. Since oh, still damn it! I was just about to go. When you said prison, I was about to say. I was about to say. Okay, Max. I got Max. Since you're no longer a part of the CIA of kettlebells, I have. To, since you've been like, you know, you're out here now. I have to ask you. Who in the blue hell is Paul Wade? <laughs> well, to be honest with I'll be totally straight up with you guys. I've only had email communication with him. And he's like Edward, not, he's Edward Snowden, man. It's like what the hell? I'm, I'm not qualified to uh I'm not qualified to deduce someone's identity via email <laughs> correspondence, but you know, he's uh he emailed me a few times, said he saw some of my articles and videos and really liked what I had to do and um you know, I think the... Oh, I think I got that same form letter from him, actually. <laughs> I think I got that same form letter from him. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. No, because I got an email from Paul Waston, oh, your Live Life Aggressively book is awesome, really like what you're all about, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, oh, would you mind if I use that testimonial on my site? He's like, no, nah, I prefer if you don't, <laughs> which, I, which I thought was interesting. And I almost responded like, okay, John Duquesne, no problem. I mean... <laughs> Well, it's so funny, you know, I've talked with John about it uh, several times, and uh, one thing I like about John is he'll always be pretty straight up with me, and, right. you know, just between you guys and me, the writing style is so different that I know that the content itself was edited, but there's too much there uh, to have come from John or anybody at Dragon Door. I mean, it's right. such a different, uh, it's such a different kind of training style then really fits with the rest of uh what Dragon Door had been promoting. Right. That that I'm I'm certainly of the mind that it's very different. Sure. And and you know it's funny too because in the convict conditioning one and two books, there's a lot of stuff that I really like and there's some some stuff in there that I just don't think is that great, but I still right. think it's so worth reading. Sure. Right, because sure. it's just like you guys said before, as you pick up something here and there that is just so valuable right. that it doesn't really matter if you have 20 or 30 percent that's just fluff or maybe not that useful or stuff you've already heard before or whatever but i think that's uh you know i think that's what i get the most actually when someone asks me a question i get this all the time i don't know if you guys get this too someone will ask me if a book was worth reading and 
I always say yes, because reading a book is going to do one of a couple things for you. One of those is it's going to confirm something that you already knew. It's going to teach you something new, or it's going to be so opposite of what you thought you knew that you're going to completely disagree with it, but it's still going to reaffirm that what you know is correct. Yeah. So right. Hopefully it's going to provoke some thought. Yeah. perspective on it is right. uh, no doubt. No super doubt. beneficial. My attitude is if I read an entire book and I pick up one new idea that's useful, it was worth reading. It was worth reading, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Even, and a lot of times, even if you didn't pick up any new ideas, it's it's a lesson on what not to do, and that's also useful. <laughs> you know, right. You may, you may read someone's book, and it's very patronizing and condescending. And you're like, you know what? I definitely don't want to come off this way, so let me make sure I'm more conscious right. when I'm writing stuff so I don't come off this way, where you may have not right. you may not have thought of that previously. And, and I've, I, I've – I've had stuff I've written in the past where people it evoked really strong responses where people felt I was coming off a certain way and I go, wow, that wasn't my intent at all. And then I would go back and reread it a few times and I'm going, okay, I can see why they're getting that. And then you learn how to communicate better moving forward. So it's always useful. And if all else, if all else fails, if you read a book, the great thing is you're not wasting your time on Facebook or watching a reality TV show. (laughs) So that in itself (laughs) makes reading Fundamental. <laughs> okay. well, that's great. Well, awesome, man. We really appreciate you coming on the show. It's always great to talk to you. We'd love to have you come back again and get into some more training stuff when, you, when you're not too busy. But uh, where can people find out more about you? What's your website and maybe your YouTube channel and everything else you have yeah. going on? Well, I got a couple things going on. I'll tell you about it real quick. And actually, sure. uh, my latest project, I got two projects going on right now that just launched. One is uh, I launched a company called uh, Proline Foods. Oh, yeah. I saw your protein bar. I saw that the other day. You said, oh, really? You sent me the link to the fan I page. Send a couple. I wanted to send a couple to you guys. They're called Coog Bars. And it's uh, basically an almond butter, honey, uh, whey protein, uh, a little bit of date, sea salt, uh, flax. I mean, just really super high-quality food. No preservatives, no artificial sweeteners. Because I know you guys have probably been pitched about 10,000 items that are just full of crap just to make money. And I know you've probably done the same thing I've done, which is tell those people to piss off because you're not willing to uh, make the members that you care about less healthy peddling garbage. Or or build your your team to sell this product. (laughs) 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 Exactly. So I found myself in the fortunate enough position to... uh, invest a lot of money this year into um, setting up my own uh, kitchen. Uh, We do everything there. We make the bars, we wrap the bars, we fulfill the bars, all out of um, San Diego, California. So we do everything ourselves. We only use natural ingredients, um, and it's really great. And what I'd like to do um, is give some of the LLA podcast listeners a discount. Oh, awesome. On, uh, on their first order. So if they want to use the code LLA10, they'll uh, get 10% off any order they put through on uh, kookbar.com. Awesome, man. Okay, Appreciate very cool. That. We'll definitely put that in the and, show notes uh, as well. Perfect, man. Yeah, and then you guys will have to uh, give me your addresses so I can send you guys some too because I wanted to uh, talk to you guys as well. 
Hey man, only if it's gonna be delivered personally by Paul Wade. That's the only way I want it. <laughs> you got just, it, man. Just, just don't, just don't ask us to get five people who may be interested in this, and then you know they have to get five, and then when they get five, we're all gonna be, we're all, we're all gonna be, we're all gonna be loaded, kicking back in uh, the Caribbean somewhere. <laughs> uh, no man, like that. <laughs> I'm just, mess, I'm just messing with you because we we tear into network marketing all the time on the show. <laughs> so it's, oh I would, God. I would love for someone to come on the show who doesn't realize we have such strong views on network marketing and pitch us on the show that would be hilarious because oh we, would, that would be fantastic. We, we, we would just we would tear that apart on air and let that one go out you can just imagine they'll see the show and i was like hey i see you guys had your buddy give you some protein bars on your show i'd like to talk to you guys about having a great business opportunity to say well <laughs> you know what dude? Just, just take your business opportunity and stick it up your candy ass okay <laughs> we're not interested <laughs> well next time uh next time i come on the show i'll have to tell you guys about the time i made an advocate rep cry <laughs> oh that you got you got to no. tell us about that now you, no 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 you're gonna talk wait about that we, right yeah, now <laughs> yeah we, we're not gonna wait we, you can't leave us with a teaser like Hell that we no. have to sit around and wonder what that story is all about <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right buddy let's hear it now. but um you know the oh, cool thing about okay. the bar okay. the cool thing about the bar you guys is that <laughs> the funny thing i found out is that the margins in making something that's actually healthy are extremely low so from a business sure, standpoint, sure. it's completely risky. But uh, the other thing I did this year was uh, I actually set up a nonprofit foundation called the uh, Fitness and Health Education Foundation. Hmm. And I don't know if uh, you guys know me well enough to know that in general, I'm very uh, anti-charities because I think they spend so much money on bureaucracy and payroll. Right. Are you talking to the and they don't guys? really do anybody any good. I mean, the Girl Scouts of America are a perfect example of someone who peddles garbage, makes tons of money, and doesn't really do anything good, in my opinion. Right. Absolutely. And uh, so my goal with the Fitness and Health Education Foundation is to use proceeds I get from Kugbar to actually help teach kids and educate them on a sustainable, healthy lifestyle, which is going to include diet, nutrition, exercise, and, you know, just getting back to actually playing outside instead of playing inside. And I've drawn up a curriculum and started giving some uh, small assemblies, but um, that's really kind of my main project right now is I feel confident enough in the gym business and the coaching and RKC and Dragondor that I feel like I'm finally able to uh, give something back that has a lot of value which is really why I came up with uh, Kugbar and uh, the Fitness and Health Education Foundation. And if anyone wants more information on those, they can check out my website, maxshank.com or kugbar.com or fithealthedu.org. And they can find out about all the uh, stuff I'm working on right now. Oh, it's fantastic, man. Killer. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm... Uh, really happy with it and thanks again for having me on you guys it's been a total blast and hopefully uh we can talk again soon yeah man sounds great always a pleasure to have you on we'll definitely get you back and hopefully we get a chance to catch up in person at some point i'll definitely let you know if i'm in san diego if you're ever in las vegas you're welcome to to come over for a workout yeah man next time you come to houston let me know next time you're in houston buddy yeah, we should uh, we should try to do an extending the olive branch workshop, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Perfect. All right, brother. All right, Thank man. you so much. All right, take Thanks, care, Max. Max. Take care. Have a good All right, day. Take care, guys. 
And that, again, is our friend Max Shank. Definitely check out his stuff. He has some really inspiring videos on YouTube where he has – we didn't get into a lot of his accomplishments because he's a pretty humble guy. He's not going to just start blasting out what he can do, but he's, he's really impressive. His, a lot of his feats of strength are awesome. And I, I, I like his whole teaching style. I like yeah. what he's all about. You know, I've had a chance to talk to Max when I was in San Diego. In San, in, in San Diego in 2012, I was teaching a course, and I met up with him and a few other people for a few drinks. And you can, you can really tell that Max loves the industry. He loves working with people, and he likes leading by example. But, and so he's, he's definitely got all the qualities to just go as far as he wants to go in our industry. Definitely, man. Definitely. One of the few still what stand up guys in this industry, like I said, again, it's, it's a shame that we're surprised or we have to actually go out and say, like, oh, one of the few in this situation you would think that it should be in this healthcare industry that we're in. Everyone should be this way. You know, everyone should be stand up because, again, this is a healthcare industry. It's not just some place to peddle products all the time. You know, so just no doubt. I mean, that, that's why I wanted to have him come on and talk about why he stayed with the RKC as well, because I know Max and I know Josh really well and they're really stand up guys. So I'm going, huh, I wonder I wonder what that environment is like now, right. because if it weren't amenable to their growth, neither one of those guys would want to be a part of it. Definitely. So I was curious to get the inside track. And yeah. I'm not too surprised by what I heard, where I, because I think that's a smart move to decentralize the power structure, l- allow more people to have input. You know, like I, I don't, me personally, I don't like to be a part of any organization just because I'm a dictator, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> I, but I'm only a dictator for myself. I'm not going to have a bunch of people involved with what I'm doing and be an order giver, but uh, I just like to do things my way. I like to be able to make decisions without having to confer with anyone else. That's just my personality, right. but, but it's, but it's cool to hear what Max told us so that that was really cool to have him on the show and hear about that and this i mean if you kind of look at those who stuck around with the rkc it just seems like everyone's a lot happier now <laughs> you know well I, for the fact that you actually they're surfacing now you actually see these people doing things and they have their own businesses like oh okay you you have this freedom to to actually be yourself while you're still working with this organization which we don't really see that with the other organization, you know, with strong first, everything is right. strong first, you know, so it's just right. like more of the same, you know, so. No, but, but this, this whole development reminds me of an anthropological study where this guy went into, I think it was Kenya, and they wanted to measure the, the health measures of different of the alpha males in this baboon tribe. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll get to the point on this because it's a fairly long story. But what happened is that, that baboons at the top of the hierarchy, the alpha males, you know, they tended to be very healthy while all the other baboons lower on the structure were unhealthy because they were being bullied by the alpha males. Right. And through a freak event, the alpha males ended up dying. They ate some tainted food somewhere. So all of the alpha males died out. And what happened is all of the other baboons that were left over that used to be bullied on and were very stressed, they now kind of moved up the chain. And all of a sudden, their stress went away and they became much healthier because now they had much more personal freedom. And they didn't continue the line that the alphas were, per- were previously doing. In other words, whoever was left over that tended to be stronger than the other baboons, they didn't start bullying them. It became much more democratic. And I think something similar has happened in the Dragon structure where all of the people that were of that mindset, the power of military the bullying type attitude, right? The, you know, just trying to make people suffer. How much people suffering can we inflict on people to make ourselves feel better? They all departed. So what's left over is people who want to have a more egalitarian experience right. and who want to create something that's about the people. So I'm not too surprised, honestly, to hear what Max said. And it, it kind of looked like that way from the periphery. Right. So it was pretty cool just to have that confirmed. Yep. <clears throat> 
Cool, man. So that, that was really good. It's good having Max on. So before we head out of here, man, let's take care of some business. And um, and then, yeah, get ready for another great week of shows coming up. Yep. Use that coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my supplements. You know what they are. You should be on them. Shame on you. If you've been listening to the show for months and you're still not taking my products, shame on you, man. You're the only one missing out. And shame on you for not supporting the show. Right? I mean, what are you doing, man? Every week you're listening, oh, great free information, guys. It's like, yeah. <laughs> now support us so we can keep delivering you that free information. And you're not, we're not asking you to buy crap. I'm asking you to buy the best nutrition supplements out there. So get on it. And then you can also get 10% off any of my other products, my T-shirts, my videos, my e-books, the whole shebang. And you can also get a discount on Sincere's awesome products. What can they get with you, man? Yeah, so head over to NewWarriorTraining.com and use that same coupon code LLA, and you will get 30% off of my Bodyweight Training DVD, the digital or physical copy, as well as 30% off my New Warrior Online Weight Management 101 course. So you can take better care of yourself and be a more informed, fit person before you just hand your health over to anyone else. So you truly understand how certain nutrients work with your body, how aerobic and anaerobic condition really works with your body, not just stuff that you just read in magazines and take everyone's word for it on face value. And then you end up doing these diets or you do these training programs, P90X and all this other stuff. You get hurt, you get sick, you lose weight rapidly, you gain twice as much weight back two weeks later, and you're trying to figure out like, why in the hell is this not working for me? Well, you know what? Nothing... There's nothing better than the basics, but truly understanding the basics is even better. And that's what this program is going to do for you. And self-paced, so pretty much you're going to have all these different tools to help you learn as you go along. So you got audio, you've got video, you've got PDFs, you got all these different support materials. And again, it's not like you're going to go back to college where it's going to be you have to do like a master thesis at the end of the course. But <laughs> on, on the other end of the course, you would be like, yeah, all right, all right, man. Now I understand what's really going on. Hey, Mike, um, I'm, I'm just going to get my labs and I'm going to do you mind if I work with you or whatever? And can you take a look at them? And then when Mike replies to you, if he chooses to work with you on that, you'll actually understand what the hell Mike's talking about this time. And I just like, OK, that sounds good. That sounds smart. I believe you. OK, <laughs> you wind up being the people that Mike right. runs into at these these cocktail parties like, oh, my God, you know your stuff. And they talk to him for all of five minutes, you know, but then well, I think I, that's what's good about what you're trying to do is you're trying to. And not only give people a lot of good information, but also make them very informed on understanding a lot of this stuff so that they can assess other information they come across more effectively. Exactly. And you want to be intimidated. So therefore, you're not necessarily buying into something out of fear. Because when you're informed, you don't have to be as fearful about it. It's like, oh, I mean, it's just like anyone. You go into battle, the more weapons you have and more skills you have, the more prepared you are to go into battle. Anyone else, you're just going to like people are attacking you <laughs> and, and good luck with that. Hope you make them on the other side, buddy. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So, like I said, just use that same coupon code. You get 30 percent off of that program as well. And, well, what more can we say about this course, man? Other than we have 12 more spots left at, at the time of this recording. And well, I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to do an anti pitch. I'm going to encourage <laughs> you guys not to sign up because I Until want May. to get. I want people to wait so we can increase the price and we can and we can get those last 12 spots. I'd rather have them come in at the highest price possible because guess what, folks? 28 people were smart. They got on it. They got in at the lowest price possible. It's only two more weeks to do that. I'm not going to be sending out any reminder emails. You know, that whoever's left on that list, that VIP list, they're like, oh, I'm sure Michael send out a reminder email before the month's over. No, I'm not. I got things to do, man. And at this stage in the game, we have 28 people signed up, 12 spots left. I could care less if anyone signs up from this point on. You know, if you want to wait until the price goes to twelve hundred bucks, fine. And then 
You, but some of you may think, it's like, well, you guys won't fill this 12 spots at that price. It's like, yeah, we will. We, have, we filled 28 spots just by mentioning it on the show. You know, we haven't even gotten a week know, and a half. No, okay. No you know ad traffic our websites get. I mean, between me and Sincere, we have a ton of website traffic. If you don't think we're going to sell 12 spots at 1200 bucks, you're out of your mind. You know, the ad copy is going to be great. There's a lot of people who are big fans of ours who just don't even listen to the show because they're busy. They don't even know about the course. And they're going to be like, wow, those guys are teaming it up. Steve Cotter's teaching in the U.S. He hasn't taught in the U.S. in like two years. And he certainly hasn't taught with the three of us. So you're getting all four of us at a two-day event in Vegas. It's a no-brainer. That's why 28 people signed up, folks. So for those of you that are waiting on the fence, you know, you're going to be on the wrong side of that fence come May 1st. <laughs> and, and trust me. To do that. <laughs> and there'll be a couple organizations that benefit from your procrastination and not just us. So you know, there'll be some <laughs> charities that are going to benefit from you taking your sweet time. So it's not a bad thing that you're waiting. So, yeah, take your time. Sure, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. So, yeah. we'll, see, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.